Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Michael Waits. This is Asia Tech Podcast. Asia Tech Podcast stories. We are all about the stories that make the Asian tech ecosystem so fascinating, so exciting, so inspiring. And today with me, Honey Katuria. She's joining us all the way from Mumbai in India. We're going to talk about your journey, Honey, as well as your uh, project, your, your founder of Cowork. We'll talk right. about that. And I mean, it's just a fascinating area to be in that I've got so many questions to ask about that and how you ended up there. But Mumbai first, I mean, I know you're a natural, you're from Delhi, right? And just for yes, those listeners, can you explain like in a very short sentence the difference between Delhi and Mumbai? That's, that's an interesting question. I think the, these two cities, like metro cities in India, people would think that they are very similar but they are totally apart. Like leave about leave about the weather, which is entirely right, different. Right. Mumbai has a very mild weather. Delhi has extreme summer, extreme winter. It's the it's the culture. You know, Delhi is driven by chaos, but it's it's chaotic chaos. <laughs> and Mumbai is organized chaos. If that right. makes any sense, it's kind of making sense. What what my experience is, you know, it's like there is a rhythm in Bombay. Things happen for a reason. And, you know, you can usually predict why things are going or the way things are going to happen. Delhi, on the other hand, is like totally unpredictable. Mm, it's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I came to, I think the first time I came to Delhi, I can't remember what time of year it was, but I came to Delhi and I was cold. I came from London. And it was, <laughs> it, I, was, I traveled around Asia a bit. And I landed in Delhi. I thought, wow, it's, it was nighttime and we were out somewhere. And I thought, wow, it's really cold. I, was, I, wasn't, I knew it's going to be up in the hills, in the Himalayas. It's going to be cold, right? But in Delhi, wow. So I, was, I wasn't prepared for that shock. So I guess that kind of creates the... The mindset goes so much with the weather, doesn't it? So, you know, Delhi's much more yeah. of the, Delhi's the traditional uh, administrative capital of India, right? I mean, you know, all it the embassies is. there. And so and Mumbai's much more of a creative capital, right? You know, you've yeah, got so Mumbai all the is the home of Bollywood yeah. and also the financial sector. So like a lot of banks, etc., are based out of uh, Bombay. Hmm. So that's what differentiates. Yeah, Delhi is more on on the admin and the government side. De- Bombay is more on the creative and finance side. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it has that, I mean, you know, both of them have, a, 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 I suppose, a, a different scene for business as well and tech. I mean, and then you just change state again. And you go to a place like Bangalore or Hyderabad. It has a tech scene and so on. But Mumbai, yeah. I think, is most famous... My experience, and I don't know how it is today for you, honey, but traffic. I mean, wow. <laughs> I've been to some crazy places. But what is going on in Mumbai in the traffic? That is insane. I, you know, having lived in Atlanta for five years where the cra- traffic is crazy in US, uh, it's, you know, the traffic in Mumbai and Delhi still beats me. It's like the distance between two places cannot be measured in miles or kilometers. You actually measure it by the average time it, it <laughs> takes you to reach there. So true. Seriously, I have spent more than an hour to cover two miles. And that's true in Delhi as well as in Bombay. Wow. So it's the roads, the traffic. The one thing is there which, which I have noticed is that between Delhi and Bombay, the road rash, like, you know, the... People become so angry. Yeah. That's more in Delhi. 
Hmm. In Bombay, people usually like you know just keep on honking, which they do everywhere <laughs> in India, anyways. <laughs> but they don't like start you know rolling out down their windows and start shouting at the right, other right. person. That's so interesting. Yeah, that, that's a difference. <laughs> I remember in Bombay. I think there's a point where we were driving, we were stuck in traffic. There was a, an intersection where so two roads are crossing each other and that was just chaos because they weren't moving. But some guy, so guys would get out of their cars, right? And they would <laughs> physically stand in the middle of the road and stop the traffic. And that, I don't know if that's the sort of the way things are done there. So it was crazy. And then he would, you know, when all the traffic had come by, he would madly run back into his own car just so he could get into, you know, the last window of opening it to the other side. It was just, wow. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we, we don't hesitate in taking matters in our own hands. It it works both ways. Sometimes it, it backfires, but I think in your experience, it actually helps. <laughs> Amazing. So you've traveled around quite a bit as well. You spent the time in the US and you've you spent a lot of time in Asia as well. So I want to talk a little bit about that because, you know, there's a, a nice sync as well with your professional experience, especially, you know, working and founding co-work as well. You know, how important yeah. that is. So. Tell us a little bit about your travels first. Where have you lived in the world? So I, I was born and brought up in Delhi. I, I did my studies in uh, Pune, which is a city near Bombay. And then I moved to London. I was there for uh, two and a half years. was working in, my office was next to St. Paul Cathedral. Mm. I loved that place. I thoroughly enjoyed my time in London. I was working as a consultant. Uh, and then I moved to US where, uh, sorry, actually in between I went to Canada for almost an year um, in Toronto, which was great again, working as a consultant, then moved to Atlanta, stayed there for five years. Uh, my husband did his PhD from every university in Atlanta. So oh. that's why I was there for quite some time. Moved to Hong Kong, joined uh, XP slash hotels.com as the offline manager for APAC operations. And then after two years, actually, I quit and founded cowork.com. Then moved to India because um, I realized I can get more value for my Hong Kong and US dollars in India in terms of, you know, resources and everything. So I set up the operation base in India, but we do have a marketing uh, hand or person in, uh, in Hong Kong as well. So right now I'm in Bombay mainly. Um, actually, I just got a baby boy two and a half months ago. Oh, congratulations. So that, thank you. That just added the unpredictable yeah. twist in the whole thing. Yes. So now I've been in Bombay for, for that reason. I, I have been here for last almost an year. Otherwise, I was planning to shuffle. I was shuffling between Hong Kong and uh, Mumbai a lot. But for for past nine ten months it has kind of stopped. But it's gonna kick off again in another two three months. What is you you are gonna kick off? You or it's gonna kick off means business. I mean you're oh, gonna get up travel. and start. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, my travel is gonna kick off again between uh, Hong Kong and Bombay because uh, you know we are these are the two markets that we are focusing a lot in uh, Kowa. That's because you know our expertise lies in understanding. Right. the local market and, you know, we can do like local marketing events, etc. So I want to understand as well, I mean, you know, what it's like to be a founder and a mom, you know, I mean, you, not just a mom, but a mom of a two and a half month old boy, you know, that's no easy time. I mean, one of those alone is not easy, right? <laughs> Put them together. Yeah. Then, so I, I want to ask you about that. But just before we get there, honey, you, you traveled around so many amazing places. Did you... 
was there sort of a master plan? Did you sort of just follow where the work or the opportunity was? Or did you sort of say, right, I want to go, I want to go and see some of the world. And therefore, I'm going to find, you know, what came first? Was it the, the place to live or the work? What, what sort of was your driver in all of that? I think, so my husband and I, I, we both were very driven with the fact that we wanted to live in different parts of the world uh, till we get a family or, you know, till we can't move, basically. So we always look for opportunities which took us out of our place. So I'll, t- I'll be very frank with you. Till now, I haven't changed a house. I've actually just changed the country mm. whenever it, you know, it became time for me to move, except for Bombay. That's the place where, where I have got into a second home. Otherwise, every place I've stayed pretty much in the same house. Um, So we have always thought that whenever we have to move, if we can, let's move to a new place or a new city or a new country. Uh, So, you know, London London happened by chance. My husband and I were both working in IT company. I was being sent to Australia. He was being sent to London just after marriage. And we're like, no, we want to be at the same place, not in two different continents. (laughs) Not two different continents, but opposite sides of the world, right? Exactly, exactly. So we went to London by choice. And from that, uh, when it came time to do PhD, you know, US schools are better. And the kind of um, field my husband was looking at, the the opportunities were better in US. So he decided for Emory University in Atlanta, moved there. I had a chance of either being in London or in, in Toronto uh, for one year in between. So I chose Toronto because that was closer to uh, Atlanta anyways. And then when it comes to moving again, uh, we had an option of either actually going to Spain, staying in US or moving to Hong Kong. We chose Hong Kong because like, you know what, this is totally crazy, entirely different thing. No, Mm -hmm. you know, not even in my wildest dream, I had thought that I'll go and stay in Hong Kong just because, you know, the culture, the language and everything. But when we got an opportunity, we kind of jumped on it and then it was just great. You know, so I would say that it was a desire to live at different cities, mm. different places, experience different cultures that that made us actually and some luck, basically, which helped us move across different countries. Mm. It's fascinating and inspiring as well. I mean, you know, Indians move around a lot, especially educated <laughs> Indians. They, you know, they're always in demand, especially in IT and, and professional services and so on. Um, but did you ever find that there was a time when people sort of said, honey, okay, it, it, you've had your fun. It's time to put down some roots now. I mean, you, you've, you know, you, you've done your travel the world thing. It's time to sort of come <laughs> back and work for a safe company, safe job, et cetera, et cetera. Did you, ha- did you experience that kind of pressure? Because, you know, you are an entrepreneur now, or, also a mother of a very young boy. So, you know, I imagine there was a lot of pressure there to t- sort of just kind of st- Stable things out a little bit. Stop traveling around. I, luckily, you know, I'm, I'm one of the few ones I would say in India where the family wasn't like pressurizing us, uh, to, you know, to settle down or to mm. be at a place. They just like, you know, there were some family incidents which happened because of which I wanted to be closer to India. That was another reason why we moved to Hong Kong, that India is more easily accessible as compared to that from USA. So... No, you know, I, I, I didn't get into it. Like we wanted to have a family. We started it when we could or whenever it happened. But luckily I could move. Yeah. But now I can't move. I have realized that. Like, you know, now it's a time when my roots are going to be established and, you know, travel is going to be less and I'm going to have a base. 
Yeah, but you just said that in a couple of months you're going to be off traveling again. So it's not but like I don't think they could ever cage like... you forever, can they? <laughs> Actually, plus it'll not be that crazy. You know, earlier I was spending like two weeks in Hong Kong, two weeks in Bombay. Uh, I cannot do that any longer. So, but you know, I'll I'll, I'll figure out something. Okay. This is more of a feel where you go by as you as you go ahead. You're doing great. It's fantastic. I want to obviously talk about your entrepreneurial journey now. So let's talk about co-work. I mean, obviously there's a lot of history that you've had. You said you worked for Expedia, Hotels.com and so on. You've worked for a whole bunch of IT companies as well around the world. How did you get into that space? Co-work, not so, the IT stuff. So. So, so this is a very interesting story, actually. You know, uh, it's, I just believe in, you know, when things have to happen, they always happen. Like, you know, uh, you think other things just mold around it. So I always wanted to do something of my own and I was exploring the idea, but nothing came. And, you know, I kept on getting a better job or a better role in corporate world. So, you know, the money was good. Everything was was nice. So I just stayed there. But then when I was in Hong Kong, I became very interested in the startup scene there because it's very like it's it's hot now. And it was, again, pretty hot two years back as well. So I was going for a lot of networking events, meeting a lot of people in, in Hong Kong, just, you know, in my free time that I could gather. And then there was a friend of mine who wanted to set up her business in, in Hong Kong. So she came and she was looking for an office space. And I knew about co-working spaces because I had gone for networking events there. So I told her that, you know, let's go, you know, these are the few options that I know of. You can figure out any one of these places and take up an office space there. That lady made me go to actually more than 10 places to visit and say, okay, which one she's going to to take up. And I was like, why are you doing this? Like, mm. you know, you don't go to hotels before you book them. In the end, it's it's all about like, you know, the the amenities that are there, the kind of reviews this, these places have, the images, etc. Just look online and select and go to one or two at max. When, so when we, when we tried to do that, we realized it wasn't like there was no platform like that at that time so if you wanted to go you actually go and visit or just pick up whichever is whichever place is closer to you and that that's the time when the idea of co-work was born that we want to create a platform which where people can book find review compare shared workspaces uh you know we did a small survey with our friends uh, found out that yes people were interested in this concept but they had no knowledge about how to go about like they'll have to research find different options through google and then you know they didn't trust the individual website so they wanted like they they said that they would prefer uh, an independent platform so that's how co-work started when it uh, you know when i believed that the idea was strong enough i quit my job we started the product development marketing etc and uh, it kicked off in November 2015. So you've been going for, a, well, between a year and a half and two years now, right? Yeah, almost two years. Yeah, fantastic. So how does Cowork make its money? What's the revenue stream for that business? So currently we are, uh, we are charging the, we have two modeling, uh, sorry, two revenue stream. One is the listing fee where, uh, you know, the spaces that want to list on our platform and want to enjoy special benefits like leads, etc. They pay an annual fee. And the other is that we charge the co-working spaces for the converted leads that we have sent their way. Right. So it is it is a lot like, uh, you know, Airbnb, mm -hmm. if I can say that. Uh, yeah, so those are the two ways. We do not charge our customers um, and we don't charge spaces 
for non-converted leads. Right. So how, I mean, you, you're building like what effectively is a, a, a plat, what is a platform, but it's like a two-sided business model, isn't it? You need the co-working spaces and you need the the freelancers and the startup people to go and populate those co-working spaces. So how do you do that? I mean, how, how have you been building your business marketing wise because those kind of i mean you mentioned airbnb but you know airbnb's marketing budget is massive you know you're talking hundreds of millions just to kind mm-hmm. of build that market globally how are you doing that i mean how's things going for you so uh Graham, with us our value proposition for co-working spaces has been very natural or it's, it's a very no-brainer you know that we we convert we send you customers that you would probably not get other ways and we'll take a cut you know we'll take a commission on, on it and we negotiate rates with co-working spaces so we because we are sending them something more that they wouldn't have got it and at the same time we're actually expanding the market that is out there so I'll, just to give you an example when 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 I started co-work around 2 years back the concept of co-working was hardly known in india it was picking up in uh, or it was strong in uh, in hong kong it was maturing in us but india was just like actually there were hardly any spaces when we started but over the years you know we have helped some companies the com- there are chains of co-working spaces that have come in india which created profitable models etc that the whole market itself has expanded mm. and we have been a player in creating the awareness and uh you know generating the value benefit that co-working spaces or shared workspaces bring in for people so hence uh you know we have had a very smooth or i would say very supportive uh ride with regards to our suppliers which are the co-working spaces business centers etc just to give you an example we didn't stick with just with the co-working spaces you know the big names there we go to the business centers like uh, dbs etc and we go to co-working cafes so there are cafes you know which which really don't have that much of a footfall during certain time of the day and they also have people who just sit there with one coffee uh, you know so we are converting a lot of these places into what we call co-working cafes where customers can go and buy a daily weekly or monthly pass and they get food and beverages coupons but the money they have spent in in the ticket or in getting the pass there and you know it helps for working it helps the cafes mm-hmm. because people were anyway sitting there so we are we are bringing that that uh, concept a lot in india and we are you know creating the inventory for it and the other one which we are doing and this has been pretty successful in india is uh, shared uh, shared workspace so people who already have their offices but have spare desk or meeting rooms that they're not using on regular basis they can rent it out through our platform so you know the whole concept has evolved from co-working to actually shared workspaces right. where the co-working spaces business centers cafes and private and the shared office are the different players and because of our reach to different set of customers and the value proposition that we bring uh, you know we are able to connect the two parties together yeah very interesting i mean you know the co- for those that really haven't got a good picture of the co-working space 
industry, the co-working industry, it's just exploded, especially in the last five years, and especially in countries like India as well, where even going back a few years, it really wasn't there, was it? I mean, there was a few no. sort of, you had the Reguses and those kind of people, but the the actual co-working spaces designed for co-working have just really been a recent phenomenon. So I'm curious as well about what kind of um, co-working spaces are coming to you. Is it sort of the big WeWorks or is it sort of the more local ones who don't have the sort of the marketing budgets of a WeWork? Who, who sort of naturally gravitates to you? So we have had a mix of it. WeWork is not on our platform yet, uh, but we have had other players like Hive, you know, Springboard. Uh, there are a lot of local players in India, which are like the national players in India, like Innovate, Office, etc. They are yeah. on our platform. Uh, and we have international clients or chains as well. So it's it has been the small ones because, you know, they don't have marketing budget or they can get, they can get help with more advertising through other channels as well as the established players because they have, they, they know how this model works. Mm. And how, how is that sort of market developing? Because we're seeing just last week here in, in Singapore, you had WeWork acquire SpaceMob. So you, or mm. you merge, I suppose you had that sort of acquisition. So you're seeing these very large players eating up these medium level players because, you know, there is an advantage to have all these, you know, the economies of scale and the marketing budget shared and so on. So you're seeing this real consolidation. And then you have this sort of very micro level co-working space as well. How do you see things going? Do you see co-working spaces, you know, becoming like, you know, cafe chains where you have like large mega players like the Starbucks and then you have like maybe one or two small boutique local cafes? I mean, what do you think is going to happen? I think that that's a good good uh, analogy there, Graham, because this this is what we will expect. See, WeWork as of now is is well funded, right? What's happening on the books is still not out, so we know that the money is being burned, and uh, we don't know how profitable things are. The marketing budgets are very high because investment has been there, right? So. Whereas for so they are going with the acquisition as well as you know WeWork is famous for having the best of the best location which costs money. Yeah. Now there is a demand from from a customer point of view there is a demand for such high end high rated places where you know the small medium businesses or rather the satellite offices or of big brands are being opened. But there is also a demand uh, for. For you know normal places like boutique places which are not that expensive, which still provide all the facilities, at least the basic amenities, etc. So the boutique firms come into play. So what I'm trying to say here is that the consolidation is happening because that caters to one type of the demand that is coming. But then there are boutique, cheaper, nicer, not nicer, but you know, cheaper, more economical, and uh, you know, more curated kind of places which exist because there is a demand for that. Right. I'll give you an example. Yeah. So in India, a seat at WeWork, uh, you know, a dedicated desk at WeWork will cost 18,000 rupees uh, in India. And at another place, it will be as low as at one third of that much of that price. Mm. Now there is a demand actually for both types of places. That's fine. Until, and, and as long as there's going to be demand, there is going to be supply. People will coming up. WeWork will grow the, you know, the WeWork is growing the market. Mm. We know that it, uh, 
HSBC in Hong Kong has put more than 300 employees at WeWork. So has done like so many other companies. But there are still small companies, startups, etc., which really do not want to spend that much money on office space. They're looking for an area where they can, where there is electricity, their Wi-Fi, uh, and free coffee. You know, that's that's exactly what they want. They don't want a jazzy location or a, you know a seat that reclines two seventy degree. <laughs> you know, so so yes, yeah, so there is because there is such a varied demand, there is a, going to be a varied supply as well. Now, I want to ask you about, I mean, you mentioned something very interesting about HSBC in Hong Kong also in the co-working space, because that's something I wanted to ask you about. So before I forget, I want to ask you about the future of co-working for corporates. But let's park that for a minute and come back to it, because I think you have a really interesting viewpoint on that with your background as well. Now, I'm, I want to know, I mean, you you have worked with co-working spaces you know you do lead generation effectively for these co-working spaces and you so you see the kind of people coming in you work with these co-working spaces as well so you get an understanding of what they do right what they do wrong and you've seen them grow as well some you know you've seen start out and seen them blossom and so on have you seen is there sort of an area of co-working which has a demand which is unmet you know if you were to start a co-working space you would do this because this is what people are asking for, but they can't supply it fast enough right now. Is there anything out there which you can sort of share with us? Or maybe you just want to tell us and keep it to yourself because you are going to start. So see, th- there are a few segments where the demand hasn't been met, you know, or there is like unmet demand right now. Yeah, so in India, one sector where, uh, you know, a lot more can be done is for uh, mompreneurs. You know, so there are women who are working part time because they have left their corporate jobs. We all know how I, I personally now know how difficult it is to right. work when you have a child at home. It's according to me, it's just like you simply just can't do justice to the work. <laughs> you you have to choose who you are at the, at a given point of time. But in India, culturally, and you know, because of like some reason or the other. A lot of these kind of work is still being done from from home, and I think that is actually what's causing or what's not letting that segment or those set of entrepreneurs grow, mm. because they're limiting themselves, they're limiting their productivity to a great extent by you know by saying okay I can do this much in this much constraint or this much time. No, that's not right. Even if you go work two hours, but you work at 100% capacity, you can deliver much more than what you are currently being able to do. So that's that's one area, mompreneurs, as we call them, I think is something the the idea or, you know, the, the, uh, the, the supply hasn't been there, mm. you know, something which do a child support or some kind of a tie up there for in a segment where working mothers can go and, uh, you know, mothers can go and work. Would that be a co-working uh, space where you, someone like yourself could go? Would you bring your son there and there'd be childcare facilities there or you'd go there to I, get away from all of that for a couple of hours? I, w- I would love to do that, you know. Yeah, I'll be happy even if I'm at a co-working space here. I'll be happy even if they have a tie-up with a space, with mm. a childcare facility, you know. So th- that's that's something, you know, it is doable. It's just that, the potential hasn't been realized of, of right. that particular segment. And also a space the, where uh, you could turn, sorry, a space where you could turn up and people aren't going to look at you like, oh my God, what's she doing bringing exactly. that Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Want that, Why right? is this baby crying? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, that's, that's one. True. I mean, that's a great idea. So it's such an untapped market. 
yeah and the other one which i feel which which has always been there is is the bare minimum co-working space what i call as you know it's a similar to shared office but there are so many people though so many startups so many people who are sitting at starbucks and believe me being an entrepreneur i you know whenever yeah. i hear someone pitching or uh, you know discussing their million dollar idea my my ears are all there i i'm listening <laughs> whatever that person is saying i don't care man you are at public space you are speaking i'm going to listen to it and so do so many other people they they don't belong to that place yeah. you know they are there because seriously they don't have an option that's why otherwise who would want to you know work in an environment where everybody can listen to whatever you are saying and the internet connection is a bit uh, uh, wacky at times you know mm. you just need a very basic space which provides you the privacy but at the same time you know the basic amenities and doesn't charge you a bomb mm. that you could know? be best said i mean an existing cafe chain could branch out into something like that right exactly it... exactly you know so it's like you know give them a privacy give them a separate area cornered off area where the people can go and work and at the same time you know they're not being asked to pay 18000 rupees a month yeah yeah now you mentioned hsbc and co-working spaces as well. And this is something that really fascinates me because I, I wonder if, you know, like up until now, co-working spaces have been sort of like, in, you know, at the very, when they first started popping up, they were an option for people who couldn't afford larger offices and so on. And increasingly people have started to see the benefits of their own right. Actually, it's better to work in a co-working space than it is to work in an office in many cases, you know, not just the fact that you've got the flexibility, but also the other people around you which I think is such a key part of co-working spaces, isn't it? To have other entrepreneurs or other workers, everybody's busy. It really makes you want to work. So do you see, yeah. you know, that as a trend? I mean, you talk about HSBC. Do you see other corporates now saying, okay, maybe we should do this because economically it might make sense, but also culturally this might be a good thing for us? I, I think, over here like when the corporates are opening up you know the satellite office or temporary office they're going for co-working spaces because of the flexibility and the economic sense that it makes so you know it's it's hard to add another floor in hsbc building in in hong kong i don't think they can do it mm. so instead of buying another property it makes so much more sense to put you know your x number of employees at at a co-working space i am so it's it's economical you know you don't get into the leasing leasing part of it uh you don't have need to have your people to manage the basic facilities you know pay the electricity bill etc and at the same time you have flexibility because tomorrow today you are 300 people tomorrow if you are 350 or 250 you know you can adjust yeah. your contract based on that whereas if you go for a leased office or your own office you do not have that flexibility you will go for a 500 seater office and temporarily sit only 300 people there and in some cases so when i was in us visiting co-working spaces there i i actually realized that uh, expedia has a satellite office in portland in portland in in one of the co-working spaces mm-hmm. so four or five people because the company doesn't have any presence or doesn't have a lot of employees in a particular city they don't want to really open an office there but they still have people who are working remotely so they have started going to co-working spaces and getting like you know three four desks for their employees which kind of makes sense you know you get an office and the facility there like the professional working environment without from company side actually investing into owning or leasing or leasing an office space mm. so i think uh, 
more than the you know the benefits that co-working spaces bring to entrepreneurs which is like networking and the professional environment it is the ease and the flexibility and the economical sense that is driving corporates to go to co-working spaces to you know to have their employees there right that is yeah very interesting uh, it sounds like a super question to ask but i think uh, bear with me because it's leading somewhere but you know when these corporates go into corporate co-working spaces do they section off their area like you know this is the Expedia area then you can't come in here or, or do they sort of work openly like everybody else in that co-working space and there's a reason why I'll ask that and I'll, I'll ask you in a minute I'll tell you in a minute why okay so see uh, it, it, it works both ways uh, so there is uh, one co-working space in uh, in Bombay where I actually I was earlier and uh, a, a company has come in there it's not any big brand but they had some security concern so they took the entire floor hmm. so nobody can enter that area now everybody like who was using that area has been moved to the other floor or other part of the space whereas uh, you know in some cases where the privacy and what the you know the teamwork is not that much required it's actually just like few desk in open area so you know it's not like a private office that you cannot enter uh so i think it works like people go for the cornered off area or the separate area where others don't have access when you have the scale for it but if you have few employees and you know it's like the work that they are doing is not that critical people mm. or corporates have gone for uh, you know non dedicated or non cornered off areas mm. yeah it's interesting because i just sort of curious about how the sort of corporate culture you know, continues when you have that kind of situation where you're mixing up with lots of other people. But as you said, they have that option to section things off or corner things off yeah. as well. Okay, so I mean, co-working spaces have really developed and evolved in the last few years. And I'm sure in India, they're developing as fast as anywhere else and interesting things going on. You know, I've been to some really interesting places. I've been to like, for example, Hubud right down in Bali, which is sort of a co-working bamboo, uh -huh. co-working space in the I middle of- I love that place. Have you been there? Have you in the middle of the? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, I oh. have. Oh, oh wow. Well, so you know, for me, that's kind of like wow. This is like amazing. And you, you, there'll be a guy there from Google, and you know, some yoga teacher. It's just such a, <laughs> a weird mix. Weird in a good way, because I think you know, when you're in a business, you kind of need to get inspiration from different places and get out of your ivory tower. You know, is that sort of you know. And, and they have like, so much community stuff going on there as well, don't they? They have like an event almost every night, whether it's in yeah. Hubbard or outside Hubbard or whatever. It's just amazing. What Steve's done with that place is just phenomenal, right? Yeah. So, I, mean, I love Hubbard. Do you see like around the world or in India, particularly any sort of interesting developments of sort of co-working spaces, trying things which are new, which are sort of outside of what you expect in an office? So I, I've seen more places like Ubud in, in other parts like in, in Cambodia etc you know where there's like you go to a place it has a, such a nice vibe to it uh, uh, I have to say I have not seen that that type in India as of now uh, there are few places which are more arts driven so you know they would have plays and uh, you know they would organize theater etc so more artsy creative uh, type of things but uh, uh nothing that is very particularly you know on on the lines that you have mentioned where the vibe is i would say different it's it's not that 
you know like i have not met any yoga teacher at any of the co working spaces i have visited in in india and believe me i have been to more than 125 such spaces around the world so and there's a lot of yoga uh, teachers in india right so. uh, yeah but they they see that might be just the another segment that needs to be captured by co working spaces <laughs> yeah. but but you know over here it's more like get the business done kind of a thing yeah. uh, so uh, to be very frank you know the, the leads the kind of business that we have generated in india only a very small fraction of it has been for freelancers or you know people just like single person looking for a space it is usually like a small team or a big team that is looking out the digital marketers or the freelancers or digital nomads are are still working from home in india i would say for sure well it's been really fascinating to have a, a walk through the co-working space world with you today honey i'm sure the in, the listeners have enjoyed learning about it and also i mean your ideas mm-hmm. for you know those co-working spaces unmet demands mom mompreneurs etc i think these are great ideas and it'd be interesting you know people are are actually working on those ideas or you know they are involved in projects and developing those co-working spaces they should uh, be in contact with us they can tweet us at asia tech pod or hashtag asia tech podcast honey before you go and i, I want to ask you um yeah where do we find out more about you because you're in such an interesting area such an interesting space i'm sure people want to find out more about your projects and also connect with you as well so share with us some links for the listeners that they can sure. sort of find out about you Right. So see our, our portal, our website, which is kowrk.com, kowrk.com is the best place where we are very active through our blogs. Otherwise, on social media channels, our profile on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is kowrk.com. So k-o-w-r-k-d-o-t-c-o-m. Uh, we are very active. We are, you know, digital, we are doing all our marketing through digital media. So. catch us anywhere on our website or on social media channels and we would love to hear from you just just tweet us write give us a message and our team will be in touch with you if you if you or your listeners have any ideas or any questions about co-working fantastic that's honey katuria everybody founder of co-work been a real pleasure having you on the show honey and i do wish you come back as well at some point in the future because i know i know you're busy You've not just got founding and growing a business, but you also have a young boy to look after. But I know in the future as well, you'll be out traveling at some point. So it'd be really interesting to see where your journeys take you and the kind of things you're involved with as well on this journey with co-work. So please come back on sure. the show. Thank you so much for joining us today, honey. Thank you. Thanks, Ram, for having me. It has been great talking to you. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.